0: You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner-Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. I hope you're all enjoying uh, your summer, or whatever weather you have where where you live. Uh, it's, it's become quite warm in Tasmania, which shouldn't be a shock in January, but after the winter, the beginning of, of, of summer, which was rather wintry. I know the whole thing is very confusing. Uh weather is just off the chart right now, and so I'm gonna read you a chapter with a lot of snow in it, again <laughs> just to balance things out. We are up to Musketeer Space Chapter fifty six Two Kinds of Winter Fascinating, said Athos, looking around at the bleak grey landscape. There was the wind-lashed island of Finisterra. I did not realise there was actually a more depressing corner of this planet than the province of La Fère, But here we are. And look, there's snow. Dana knew it wasn't the snow that had him looking so wary and tense, but she wasn't going to say that out loud. Athos had been quiet and remarkably sober for most of their journey, which was not as comforting as it should have been. This is a mopping-up job, said Porthos. What are you so afraid of? Athos gave her a chilly expression. Everything, he said. Dana was caught up with thoughts of Conrad. Aramis had given Dana the coordinates that came directly from Chevreuse, It was up to them to rescue Conrad and take him home. They knew exactly where he was. But first, there was official business to be dealt with here at the Tower on Finisterre. Special Agent Rosnay Cho, still in charge of this mission, took point with two sabres, Ducasse and L'Etoile, and the four musketeers at her back. They entered the grey slab of a tower with all the gravity of a royal delegation. The anchored winter, the Countess of Clarick, was waiting there for them, her expression as grim as the weather outside. "'You know what I'm going to say,' she announced without ceremony. "'I expect you're going to tell us that the Slippery Bastard escaped,' said Roe. "'There's no need to mince words, Your Grace. "'I worked with my lord for years. I doubt you can surprise me.'" B looked frosty. (laughs) I've done my duty to the letter, Special Agent Cho. My brother-in-law is still upstairs in the tower. Rowe raised her eyebrows. He never left? He never left. Felton carried out the assassination alone, then, Athos muttered to Rowe, So it seems. My lord, waiting around for us to take him into custody, seems awfully polite, doesn't it? Well said Athos in the driest of voices. He is a gentleman. Dana hung back with Porthos and Aramis, watching Rosne Cho and B. de Winter, who stared each other down like each was waiting for the other to flip a table and start the bar brawl. Rose smiled finally, pre- pretending there was no possibility of animosity between them. I'd like to question my lord de Winter. "'Before we make plans to escort him off-planet, "'Captains Lieutenant Athos and D'Artagnan will accompany me, "'while the rest of my people question your security team "'and survey the perimeter.' "'The sabres nodded while Porthos and Aramis managed salutes "'that weren't entirely sarcastic. "'Of course,' said B. "'This way, Agent, Captains.' "'Dana fell into step behind Athos.' B led them up a spiralling staircase to the highest room in the tower. She swiped a card and entered several codes before the door slid open. And there he was, milord. His presence hit Dana like a punch to the solar plexus. He stood in a pool of rare winter sunlight, like a cat sunning himself. His hair had reverted to its bright silver hue, Long around his shoulders, his shoes had disappeared somewhere. He wriggled his bare toes against the slate floor, apparently feeling no cold. Dana risked a look at Athos, who displayed no reaction to the presence of his former husband. "Hello, sweetness," said Milord, his eyes on Row. She stared him down with a steady, implacable expression. "Miss me, Milord?" "'said Roe. "'So stiff and formal. "'I know that the Cardinal has washed her hands of me, "'but you too! "'What does a man have to do around here "'to inspire a little loyalty?' B and Athos made almost identical scoffing sounds at that, "'and then glanced slightly embarrassed at each other. "'Dana noticed a nearby table and an untouched tray of food. "'Has he been eating?' not for a few days said b says he doesn't need to alien biology and all that or i'm too traumatized milord suggested i feel a little traumatized there was something wrong in this room dana felt a light buzzing in her ears as if danger approached something important had been missed that's not him she blurted what Roe and Athos said at the same time. It looks like him, but it's not Milord de Winter. Are you high? B demanded. Milord gazed at Dana with a twisted smile on his pretty face. Give the girl a gold star or some sort of cake-related treat. I know how you musketeers like your sweets. Explain yourself, D'Artagnan, said rosnecho "'If you're going to claim mistaken identity?' "'No,' said Dana. "'I'm sure he's responsible for every crime of which he's accused and more.' "'She did not take her eyes off, my lord. "'He's not blinking. "'He hasn't eaten his rations. "'We've been in here for nearly ten minutes "'and he hasn't tried to murder any of us.' "'It is a terrible temptation,' my lord agreed. "'And yet I restrained myself.' "'He's not human,' Athos said. D'Artagnan, you can't assume he'll behave in a way that makes sense to us. Dana picked up a plastic-wrapped fork from the rations tray and threw it at the prisoner. The utensil went right through his chest and hit the window on the other side. Oh, shit, said the Countess of Clarek. It's a hollow projection, Athos snapped, but from where? Dana went down on her knees to examine the floor at Milord's feet. "'There's something here,' she said. A-, "'A pocket knife with a data stud embedded in it. "'I think that's where the projection's coming from.' "'Rose Com chimed. "'Boss,' said Porthos over the line, "'managing to say it with only a hint of irony. "'We've got a problem.' "'I bet it's not worse than the one we've got here,' Rose snarled. "'We've lost eyes on Aramis,' said Porthos, sounding worried. Comms have gone dark.' Aramis was not the most considerate girlfriend, but she was aware of her own shortcomings. She tried to ensure that her partners had fun, that no one's heart got broken except perhaps her own, but she was robust and she could take it, and that she left no one's marriage in a worse state than when she began her seduction. (laughs) Even with the best of intentions, sometimes one slipped through the cracks. Her affair with Jan Felton was the worst mess she'd ever been involved with. It ended ugly, and Aramis had not covered herself in glory during the fallout. While Felton was publicly disgraced, divorced, and left Paris Satellite under a cloud of scandal, Aramis ignored the drama, acting instead on the long-running flirtation she and Chevreuse had toyed with for years. The guilt set in later, much later, after Felton's friends made sure to let Aramis know how badly she had fucked up. Still, she hadn't realised it was quite this bad. Not trapped in a freezing cellar with an arc ray pointed at her head bad. Then again, if half of the babble coming out of Felton's mouth matched her state of mind, Aramis wasn't the only one who had screwed with her head. A certain winter had a lot to do with it. "'Jan,' she said now, through lips that felt cracked and sore in the chill air. "'Did you kill the Duchess of Buckingham?' Felton snapped out of her reverie, her hand tightening with greater confidence on the arc-ray. "'I'm a planetary marshal. The law is everything to me. He'd never ask me to—' "'Because,' Aramis went on steadily— "'Either me lord or Winter, whatever he's calling himself. "'Either he made you kill her, or he stole your identity to do it. "'You're wanted for murder right now. "'He did that to you, not me.' "'Felton's face twisted into a snarl. "'I'm only on this godforsaken rock because of you.' "'She dug the point of the arc ray into Aramis's temple. "'I lost everything because of you.' My wife, my career. Not your sense of justice, Aramis whispered. Not the rule of law. I didn't take those things from you, Jan. I couldn't. He's inside your head, making you act against everything that's important to you. He's hung you out to dry. Felton's eyes gleamed. Every contract is on the side of law, she said. Adultery within the bounds of a marriage contract is against the law. You're the one who made me a criminal. My lord will set me free. Aramis closed her eyes as the arc ray twitched in Felton's hand. You don't want to kill me, Jan. You'd be surprised, Felton said. They both heard the footsteps. Felton hissed, her hand coming around Aramis's throat even as the arc ray jittered against her scalp. Who's there? Hello, Jan, said another voice. Aramis breathed out, her pulse steadying as she recognised Athos. He might be a pure hot mess, but he was the best backup you could ever ask for, second only to Porthos, who was there too, a step behind Athos. They projected calm, as if they'd interrupted a tea party instead of a hostage situation. Get out of here, Felton snarled. I know what you're like, the three of you inseparables. You laugh and joke and pick fights like the world is your goddamn playground. Sounds about right, said Athos. He was at the foot of the staircase now. The shallow pool of light from the cellar's solar lantern cast shadows across his face. There are some things we take seriously. Loyalty. He looked at Aramis taking in her position, then his focus snapped right back to Felton. I don't think you know a damn thing about loyalty, said Felton. I know a lot about the man who climbed inside your head, said Athos, resting one hand on the banister, still a safe distance from Aramis and her captor. I've been haunted by him for more than five years, Jan, since I cut off his head and had the body cremated. "'This is a ghost story, not a love saga. "'You need to let the ghost go.' "'You're crazier than usual, Athos,' said Jan. "'Athos smiled with all his teeth. "'That's when I'm at my best.' "'A tiny noise behind them alerted Aramis. "'She shoved at Felton, pushing the arc ray aside. "'A body leapt out of the shadows, knocking Felton to the ground.' Aramis secured the weapon before she realised it was Dana. There were four of them now. Extra backup. Where did you come from, baby doll? Fuel chute at the back of the cellar, Dana said, climbing off Felton and helping her up. I was the only one small enough to fit. Excuse me, said Porthos, moving Athos aside. She came forward and punched Jan Felton solidly in the jaw. The other woman went down like a collapsed sack of grain. Aramis, is now a good time to admit I've never liked any of your girlfriends. Aramis spluttered out a laugh, pocketing Felton's arc ray. I love you too, Paul. Athos pressed a sobriety patch to Jan Felton's neck. If this doesn't have an effect, we'll have to assume there's some kind of implant. Do you think he did the winter thing to her? Dana asked. No idea. Lucky us. We get to interrogate the prisoner. Oh, thought Aramis. That's not ominous at all. (laughs) Whatever generations of de Winters and their staff had poured into that fuel chute over the years, Dana could smell it all over her skin. No time for sonic showers, not now. She took the stairs, two at a time, racing up to the tower room. To Dana's surprise, as she entered the room, Milord and Roe were in polite conversation with each other. Am I interrupting something? she demanded. Roe was unflappable as ever. I'm not learning anything that the tech gals won't be able to drag out of the chip directly. She tapped a control on the knife that was the source of the projection, and the smirking figure of Milord vanished in a haze of pixels. Shame we can't do that with the real one. "'Dana said without thinking. "'Don't think you're the first to have that thought,' Roe shot back. "'Did you find Aramis?' "'Athos and Porthos are questioning Felton now. "'She never made it off the island.' "'Roe frowned. "'It was Milord, then, who assassinated Buck. "'He used Felton's face.' "'Looks like it,' Dana agreed. "'Roe picked up the small device from the floor, "'tossing it from hand to hand.' "'The bad news doesn't stop there, Buttercup. "'While you were playing in the cellar, "'I got a ping from the investigators at Villiers' house. "'They've picked up a trace of a comm message "'between Marie Chevreuse and Conrad Sue from the day of the murder. <laughs> "'A copy was bounced back to the house server "'thanks to the upgraded security net. "'Dana went very still. "'What does that mean?' The kind of privacy settings that Minister Chevreuse uses on her messages means we should never have found that message. Turns out the Villiers' house server was hacked hours after the assassin disappeared. Roe raised her eyebrows. Does the Church of All, Convent of Carmeline in the peaks of the Drift Mountains mean anything to you? Dana felt something break inside her. That's the safe house Chevreuse provided for Conrad Sue. The only people who should have that information were Chevreuse, Prince Alec, Conrad, Aramis and Dana, and the nuns. Roe nodded grimly. Makes sense. So with what we know about Milord, assuming he saw the message from Chevreuse, where do you think he's heading next? Conrad, damn it all. I thought you were safe. The convent, Dana said. I think that's exactly where we'll find him. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR and if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.